recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is William Tank, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, May 31st, 2013. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and I thank you for listening. As you know, or, or, or as all those who have kept up with, with my programs with last week know, I've been a little under the weather, so to speak. I've had some kind of crazy viral infection. Uh, I, um, I, I still have some pain in, in my back, and, and my left arm is very weak. Uh, I mean, it's weird. I could do a pull-up, but I couldn't do a push-up. My, my left arm gives out right from underneath me. It's strange. Um, I, I actually tried that this morning. The, the, um, the, 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 the diarrhea is come and go. I, I wouldn't wish this virus on anybody. It's, it's been two weeks. I've, I've never experienced anything like it in my life. Uh, I've been heavy on my garlic consumption and cayenne pepper and, and greens and, and, and everything I could eat. I, I think that's good for me. And um, I, I don't eat too much junk food anyway. I received something called thieves oil today from from my dear friends, pastors Downey and Elmore at at the Fellowship of God's Covenant People. Uh, I got it in the PO box today, and and I never heard of this stuff before. M- Melissa was reading up a little bit on it on on um on the internet during dinner tonight. Uh, I already took my first dose, and and hopefully that'll work. That there are a couple of other things I could probably be doing too that um uh, I have to look into. But but I think this that this is that this illness is pretty much beat. It, it's just the last vestiges. Um, I, I felt a lot better these last few days. I've had a hell of a lot less pain than I had last week. Well, last week it, it was incredible. I was just writhing in pain. Uh, I'm just um, that there was never any fever. That there was never any an, any um, mental instability or anything like that. It, it's just weird. I'm, I'm just uh, I'm not. Um, describing this to to beat my chest or or to to um to 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 for for, to, for my own edification or anything i'm just describing this because it's it's some kind of weird i believe it's viral but because of the diarrhea and a few other symptoms that accompanied it and and it's something that that's strange that i never heard of anybody getting before it's 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 kind of it's kind of different. Melissa's son had gotten sick at the same time, and it actually affected him a few days earlier than I. And he had to be rushed to the hospital and rehydrated, and he had a a, a bad fever accompanying um, his illness. And all the other symptoms were the same, except that he didn't have the um, the, the muscular pain to the same degree that I did, and, and he recovered quicker. But again, he's he's about forty years younger, right? Thirty-five years younger. So so it, it's um I don't know. It's just a weird virus. I I think um if we got it, that other people probably might get it too. And and I'd hate to see that, but just um it's something I've never not never seen anything like before. 
and I generally, I don't even get sick. I never get sick. Um, it, it's strange. It's probably something that what we should all um, be on the lookout. And, and a reminder to always try to keep your immune system in as good a shape as possible. Essential oils and, and um, lots of greens and, and fresh foods and whole foods and vegetables and things like that. And stay off the white bread and the junk food. Last week, uh, I had um, presented the first half of, of a paper. Well, well, I gave a presentation based on a paper that Clifton wrote um, several years ago. And, and the title of it was that, that a good um, a good center reference a good King James version center reference um, teaches and proves to seed line um, that 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 as I explained isn't quite the way I would have titled the paper but that's fine it, it certainly gives one the classical center references certain classical center references seem to have been written or, or constructed by, by theologians who did have some understanding of the nature of evil. And, and you certainly should learn what we call to seed line, or at least important elements of it from the classical center references found in some of the older Bibles. Now, just, um, and this thought crossed my mind way back when I first began studying Christian identity, and, and when Clifton had written this paper, it, it crossed my mind that I should actually obtain a Bible which had such a center reference, and it fell to the back burner and to the bottom of the list, and I never did it. Well, last week when I gave my first half of this presentation, I did. I got on on um, Amazon.com and and I found a King James Version Bible. It, it's a giant print center column reference edition. It's published um, by Thomas Nelson. That this particular version is copyright 2004. Of course, the words of the King James Version of the Bible can't be copywritten, but the center references and, and, and um, the, the notes and, and the, the layout and various things like that can be co copywritten. The preface, so, so they, that they can copyright that, right? Well, well this is um, originally... It it, it 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 was originally copyrighted in 1986 by the World Publishing Company. That that's the concordance section in the back, and it has maps the date from 1983. But but basically, when I received this this afternoon in the mail, I checked it immediately against Clifton's paper. And I found that the center reference indeed was that center reference which Clifton describes in his paper. So, so you still can obtain Bibles with these classical center references. Uh, I don't know um, how popular. I, I haven't gone to a bookstore to look at all the different King James Version Bibles. 
but but if you get a, a um, well, well, I actually when I ordered this, uh, I don't know how I got a Thomas Nelson Bible because I thought I was ordering a Zondervan large giant print um, classical Bible, and and I really did. I I guess I didn't pay much attention at order time. And I was disappointed when I saw that a Thomas Nelson Bible came. But then I was happy when I saw that the center reference was the one that I expected because I know that Zondervan, and I've seen that this center reference, which Clifton describes in his paper, I've seen it in, in the Zondervan classical center reference Bible. So, so now here it is in the Thomas Nelson. Tonight... I am going to commence with Clifton's paper. Uh, I decided to do that because my my, my illness, um, what while it, it it's certainly fading away and and I'm feeling better and better. It, it's I still really wasn't up to sitting and and writing ten pages of Bible commentary this week. Uh, I apologize for that. It, it's uh, I just didn't feel that my powers of concentration were what they should be or or what they usually are so so i thought i will i would commence with acts chapter four next week yahweh willing and, and tonight i'm going to discuss the um the, the the parts that i didn't reach the second half of clifton's paper and and continue with that theme so so tonight's program sh- should basically should basically be titled a KJV Bible with a good center reference teaches and proves to C line part two. Thank you for putting up with that and, and having patient, the patience it took me to get that out right for the time it took me to get that out. Uh, I, um, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. I'm going to backtrack to John 844. Every two seed liner's favorite verse, right? To to me, it's not the the um. To me, it's not the verse that proves two seed line. Believe me, to to me that the, there's really no one verse that does that. To me, the most important verse, if I had to pick one verse from the Gospels, what would probably be found in Luke chapter eleven, perhaps. Where the um, the opponents of Christ are, are directly related to the children of Cain, they have to be to the race of Cain, where Christ tells them that their race is responsible for the blood of all the prophets, from Abel all the way to Zechariah, and, and that's because only the children of Cain can be can can be um responsible for the blood of Abel, can be held liable for the blood of Abel. Only the children of Cain can be held liable for the blood of Abel because Seth wasn't even born. The children of Israel and all of the other children of Adam descended from Seth. And Seth wasn't even born when Cain slew Abel. But Cain went on to have very many other descendants. 
and they, in, in the old Hebrew um, sin and guilt religious paradigm, certainly can be held liable for the blood of Abel. John 8.44 also makes that same identification, just not as directly. And I will begin there. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, was the serpent a murderer from the beginning? I don't identify that your father, the devil, necessarily with the serpent in the garden, as many people um, like to oversimplify things and, and make that identification. It was actually Cain who was a murderer from the beginning, and only Cain could be called a murderer from the beginning, because Cain is history's first murderer. Cain, killing Abel, it is the Adamic race's first recorded murder. Only Cain could be a murderer from the beginning. Now, Cain was a devil for the same reason that Judas Iscariot was a devil. They were devils because they were of that same genetic line, if I have to call it that, it's actually a, an entire tree, that, that same genetic tree, which is opposed to God. It's opposed to God by, by, by its very essence. It's opposed to God by its very um, being, because it is not a tree that he created. It's a corrupt tree. It's a race-mixed tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the sin of the fallen angels through and through was the corruption of the creation of Yahweh our God through race mixing and very possibly by other means because the Enoch literature tells us that these fallen angels went out and mixed their seed with every kind. And it lists animal kind amongst those kinds. It lists many different sorts of beasts amongst those kinds. Now, that might sound wild and far-fetched, but it's not wild and far-fetched at all when you see that the very descendants of those fallen angels are in laboratories across the globe today doing that same thing. Monsanto being the prominent example. The cross-references to John 8.44 in this classical system are Matthew 13.38, 1 John 3.8, and Jude 6. To understand Matthew 13.38, we will read from Matthew chapter 13, from verses 37 through 41. They were, the, the, the apostles were asking Christ to, dis, 
to, to explain the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are other children of the kingdom. Now Clifton mentions in his paper that they are the Israelites. And that is true, but I would say that the planting of the good seed had to happen when Yahweh, who Yahshua Christ is, manifest in the flesh, when Yahweh planted Adam in the garden, the Garden of Eden, and after Yahweh planted Adam in the Garden of Eden, he made every good tree to grow out of the ground. They are the good seed. They are the wheat of the field. That's when the good seed was planted. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. And that process began with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil at the beginning of the foundation of our Adamic society. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. All things that offend are basically all things which are contrary to the law of God. And that first law of God, seven times in Genesis chapter 1, is kind after kind. And then which do iniquity. So we see that the people that constructed this classical center reference understood that this devil that sowed the tares is the same Cain or is related to Cain, who was a devil and who was a murderer from the beginning. And Cain is representative of the sowing of tares among the wheat because if the Adamic race is the wheat of the parable, well, Cain was sired by the serpent, by a member of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would be a tear sown in among the wheat. And this is where we left off last week. John 8.44 in his classical center reference system also cross-references 1 John 3.8. And 1 John 3.8 1 John 3, 8 can be used to convince people that any man can be a devil. Because 1 John 3, 8 says, in the King James Version, he that commits sin is of the devil. 
For the devil sins from the beginning for this purpose. The son of Yahweh was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. He that commits sin is of the devil. Is that true the way it is, the, the, the way it is translated in that passage? I know it's a famous line. I know that a lot of people have emotional attachment to that line. But we all sin. None of us are without sin. Is John talking about sinners in general in 1 John 3 8? I would say no, he is not. He's not talking about people that simply err, people that simply commit a sin. Because in the opening of John chapter 2, John says, of 1 John chapter 2, the same epistle, in the opening, John says, My children, I write these things to you in order that you do not sin. And if one should sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the righteous Yahshua Christ. He doesn't say, and if one should sin, that man is of the devil. He says, if one should sin, addressing the children of Israel, that we have an advocate with the Father, the righteous Yahshua Christ. And he is a propitiation on behalf of our errors, on behalf of our sins. Yet not for ours only, but for the whole society. There's a word in the King James Version which sometimes, and that there's a word, I'm sorry, it's not in the King James Version, it's not there. That there's a word in 1 John, in the first epistle of John, which is not distinguished wherever the word sin or the verb which means to sin appears in the first epistle of John. There's a word that John uses sometimes in connection with sin, and sometimes he doesn't use it. And the King James translation does not do a very good job of distinguishing when John uses this particular word and when he does not. The word is a verb. It's poieo. It would be spelled in English P-O-I-E-O, the last O being the omega. Poieo means to do or to practice, but it also means to make or to create. The word poet, somebody who creates poetry, actually came from this Greek word poieo, from a Greek word called poietes, which is a derivative of this verb. Now, there are times in his first epistle, talking about sin, that John simply uses the verb Hamartano, which means to sin. And there are 
other times where John uses poieo in conjunction with the noun hamartia, which means sin. And John, if we read his Greek carefully, is distinguishing between people that sin, and especially Israelites who sin, and he explains that those Israelites who sin have an intercessor, they have an advocate in Yahshua Christ who will forgive them those sins. But then John uses this word poieo in conjunction with the noun meaning sin. And he says, he who creates, he who authors sin is of the devil. That's what John is saying. John does not tell us that those people have an intercessor. In fact, John goes on to tell us quite the opposite, that they are of the wicked one. Those people have no intercessor. The authors of sin in this world have no intercessor. There's a paper on Christogenia which explains this difference at length. I've also done a podcast associated and based upon that paper. It's called Sin and the First Epistle of John. The authors of sin are to be distinguished from those among us who are weak and who sin. And we all sin every day, but we're not of the devil because John is telling us in 1 John 3, 8, that the authors of sin are of the devil. The creators of sin are of the devil. Distinguished from those who are merely weak and stumble. It's unfortunate that the King James translators did not, and, and, and I don't think any other translators, but my paper speaks for itself. And my paper, I am confident, proves my point. It's unfortunate that other translators have not noticed that John is making such a distinguishment. John 8.44 is also cross-referenced to Jude 6. It will take me a second to find that. Clifton doesn't have it handy at this portion in, in his paper. Jude 6, and the angels that kept not their first estate, or their first principality, I'm reading the ESV, I'll switch. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So we see in the classical center reference system that the opponents of Christ 
were said to be of their father the devil, a murderer from the beginning, the children of Cain. Only Cain was a murderer from the beginning. They were connected to that same devil that planted the tares at the foundation of the world. And they're connected to the angels who left their first estate. Who are kept in everlasting bonds under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, I know that some people in Christian identity have tried to equate that to the Israelites of the Old Kingdom. I would not make that equation. The Israelites of the Old Kingdom, every single one of them, are not kept in chains of darkness. They have been with Christ, according to the Scripture, since Christ broke the gates of Hades and preached the gospel to the dead, which we see described in 1 Peter chapter 3. They have been reconciled to God. All of the children of Israel have been reconciled to God since the Passion of our Redeemer. Jude is not talking about those people. Even though, since history repeats itself, every race-mixing event can be likened after that pattern, Jude is talking about something that happened long before then. And he equates to it Sodom and Gomorrah, the Canaanite cities, the perverted Canaanite cities, which gave themselves over to strange flesh, committing fornication, meaning race mixing, and the punishment which they suffered, the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, I don't believe that there are angels in chains sitting in a cave anywhere in the desert today. I believe that those chains of darkness are actually genetic chains of darkness. A good argument can be made in support of that statement. Clifton, Clifton actually made that argument in a paper which he wrote, and, and I did a, a program with Clifton Emmerheiser based on that paper, that those chains of darkness are genetic chains of darkness because we assert that the other races were created by the fallen angels who mixed their seed with every kind. The dark races are their creation. That's why they're not expressly listed in Genesis chapter 1. Because they are branches on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, meaning that they descended from the fallen angels. However, the, the, the people that constructed this classical cross-reference, they equated these fallen angels with the planting of the tares, Matthew chapter 13, 
and was Cain the murderer from the beginning, John 8.44. Now the question that may be raised is, can people in Palestine at the time of Christ actually be related to Cain? And the answer is, yes, they certainly can. Because the Kenites of Old Testament scripture are the descendants of Cain. We have descendants of Cain in Genesis chapter 15. These Kenites mentioned among the ten races of Canaan. Where we also have Rephaim. The Rephaim are the descendants of Rapha, the giant. Rapha, the giant, was one of the Genesis 6 giants. So we see the equation made by the people that constructed this classical center reference is not out, stepping out of line by equating those Genesis 6 angels who left their first estate, Jude referring to the events of Genesis 6, with the Rephaim, who in turn mingled themselves in with the Kenites and the other nations of Canaan. In fact, the book of Chronicles demonstrates fully that Goliath, the giant who David slew, was one of the Rephaim. And that many of the Rephaim were exterminated in the days of David. Some of the descendants of the Rephaim are still with us. The Canaanites, the children of Cain, intermingling with the Canaanites and the Rephaim, and the other races of Canaan, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the, Hor the Hivites, so that, that's actually a gloss for Horites that, that can be established. Esau lived at Mount Horus. He dwelt among the Horites. He married Canaanite wives. He married Hittite wives. The Edomites were alive and well at the time of Christ. We can draw a clear line from that serpent of Scripture through Cain, through the Canaanites, and the Rephaim, through the Canaanites, down to the Edomites. And we can understand from Josephus's Antiquities, book 13, or Strabo's Geography, book 16, or Paul's Letter to the Romans, chapter 9, that many of these people in Judea who were opposed to Christ, they were Edomites. They weren't Israelites. There's all sorts of historical proof that these people did indeed descend from Cain, 
who was a murderer from the beginning. Now, the next passage, which Clifton lists, is 2 Peter 2.4. And 2 Peter 2.4 is cross-referenced with Jude 6, the angels who left their first estate, with John 8.44, and the Jews who were all their father the devil, with Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, which we discussed last week. The dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And now I will read 2 Peter 2 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. And that word is, act, that, that word is actually, that, that entire phrase, cast down to hell, is from a Greek verb, tauterizo, meaning to cast somebody into Tartarus. Tartarus was actually the original Greek word for the underworld abode of the dead. Hades was the name of the god who the Greeks believed supervised that world, who was the prince of that world. Eventually, the name Hades became synonymous with the place and replaced the word Tartarus. So we don't really see Tartarus in biblical literature, but we do see the word Hades referencing that place. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Chains of darkness, once again. I would think that hell was in sub-Saharan Africa. That, that's not really a joke. It's sort of a joke. Okay. 2 Peter 2 4, Jude 6, John 8 44, Revelation 20 verse 2, and also cross referenced to 2 Peter 2 4 is 2 Corinthians 11 3, which talks about the seduction of Eve by the serpent and compares it. To Paul, where, where Paul compares that to his fear that the virgin which he presents to Christ, the chaste virgin which he presents to Christ, would also become corrupted in that same manner. The allegory reveals the nature of Eve's sin. The next passage Clifton lists is Genesis 3-4, the seduction of Eve. And that, in this classical cross-reference system, 
That passage is cross-referenced to 2 Corinthians 11.3. The next passage is again John 8.44. Clifton lists it again, I think because he wanted to discuss it additionally, but, but it, it, he also cross, tell, informs us that it's cross-referenced to Luke 10.18. And I read Luke 10, 18 last week, and I'll read it again this week. You'll have to excuse me. I'll have to find it first time. I'm poking around here in, in Bible words. Luke 10, 18. This is when those 70 returned from their, their missionary journey, which Christ sent them on. And they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. That word for devils, meaning demons, that word dahimonian, is a, is a spirit being, a demon. And Christ responds. And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we see that Satan has several aspects. Satan the adversary, that's all the word means, the adversary is connected to demons, serpents, and scorpions. That word serpent is consistently used throughout Scripture to describe those people who are permanently opposed to God and Christ. John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers. Christ consistently called them a race of serpents. Now, we have to imagine that Yahshua Christ was a name caller or he was telling us some sort of indisputable truth. These serpents and these fallen angels are also connected to the idea of demons. In the Enoch literature, and I quote, I make the exact quotes and give the references in the paper on Christogenia entitled the problem with Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. In the Enoch literature, I think I also discussed this in Broken Cisterns, part 2. We are told that demons proceeded from the spirits of bastards. That the bastards created by the world's race-mixing events, that those bastards 
are the source of demons and evil spirits. Now, I believe that, but I'm not going to pontificate on spiritual things. My point here being tonight to connect the historical groups of people as this classical center references, as this classical center reference does that. The next passage, which Clifton lists, is John twelve thirty one. ostensibly because John 12.31 was cross-referenced earlier by Revelation 12.9, which we talked about at the end of, towards the end of last week's program. John 12.31 states, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. This is cross-referenced to Matthew 12.29, to Luke 10.18, to John 14.30, to John 16.11, to 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and to Ephesians 6.12. Let's read John 16.11 first. Of judgment because of the prince of this world is judged. It took several hundred years for the white Adamic world, for the, for, for the majority, for the large part of the white Adamic world, which at that time was centered around Mesopotamia and the Mediterranean. It took a thousand years for some of the more remote Germanic tribes to accept Christianity, and they too were the descendants of the Israelites. But it took several hundred years for most of our race to accept Christianity, to hear the gospel, and to be converted to Christianity, even though they were never converted to real Christianity, that they were converted to various sorts of paganized Christianity. But that's okay. It was Christianity nonetheless. And once they were converted to Christianity, for a thousand years, the Jew was ostracized from Christian society. For a thousand years, Satan was locked in the pit. Here, during his ministry, Christ is telling us that as a prophetic statement and as a statement in fact. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The Jews were, at that time, even. Even though the Romans were in control by name, the dragon gave its power to all of the beasts. International Jewry, even before it was known as Jewry, was the power behind all of those empires. The Jews were the usurers at Rome, 
long before the time of Christ. Just like the Jews were the usurers in Athens, and the Jews were the usurers in Susa. Just as the, the, the devil stood on the mountain, as it's described in Luke chapter 4, and told Christ that he would, if he would worship him, he would have power over all of these kingdoms because they were given to me and I will give unto them to whomever I please. I'm paraphrasing the words of the devil in Luke chapter 4. But we see there that it's the adversary, it's the opponents of our God who are the princes of this world. And history shows us that time and time again. Ancient history and modern history. But for a thousand years, Jews could not hold political office in Europe. Jews could not rule over white men. They were often used as pawns by kings for the profit of the kings. But for a thousand years, the Jew was locked into the pit. Now he's out. John 14.30 Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world the satanic Jews. For the prince of this world cometh and has nothing, no part in me. Now, now were those Jews, in, in, in those Edomites, were those Edomites in Palestine, were they the only members of the line of Cain who, who, who had um, behind the scenes been practicing control over the white world for, for, for four or 5,000 years by this time? No, they were not. They certainly were not. There were other descendants of the devil in Rome. There were other descendants of the devil in Athens. There were other descendants of the devil in every other major city in the ancient world. These people were only a part of that picture, but they're still the prince of this world. Collectively, they're still the rulers of the powers of darkness, and they still are to this day. We talk about the power of the Rothschilds, or we talk about the power of certain Jews in Washington. And we could call the Rothschilds the princes of this world. Well, we could call APAC the princes of this world. We could call the ADL the princes of this world. None of those statements are false, but none of those statements by themselves draw the whole picture. So the Jews that came and seized Christ in the garden, they weren't the only princes of this world, but Christ is identifying them for us and telling us their nature. And we can go back into these old books and we can compare that nature 
to the same nature that their descendants have today. Their descendants in Washington, in Tel Aviv, in London. The mystery of iniquity is genetic. If the mystery of iniquity weren't genetic, every generation you'd have a bunch of good Jews that were perfect Christians. And, and, and some of those Jews would, would not be bad anymore. That they would never um, promote all kinds of vice and perversion and corruption anymore. Every generation in world history, Jewish international bankers, Jewish usurers, Jewish pornographers, Jewish drug dealers, Jewish thieves, Jewish crime ring bosses, every generation in history, it never changes. And when a Jew becomes a priest, it's only so he could run the church. Same reason Judas, Judas Iscariot, is the apostle as the apostle John points out in chapter 6 I think of his gospel Judas Iscariot held the box that the money was kept in same reason he was the treasurer imagine that 11 Galileans and an Edomite and look at who the treasurer is. Their nature never changes. Their nature never changes because the mystery of iniquity is genetic and we call it two seed line now two seed line is often oversimplified the descendants of Cain are not the only people from the evil seed line the serpent was one member of the the entire tree of the knowledge of good and evil And since all throughout the gospel, there are only two people, two groups of people to be judged at the end of the world, sheep and goats. The sheep can only be Israelites. Wheat and tares, and the wheat can only be pure members of the Adamic race. Good fish and bad fish. And Yahweh God did not create anything bad in Genesis chapter 1. Because in the judgment, there's only two groups. It can be pretty much pretty safely ascertained that 
white Israelites are the good group, and everybody else is the bad group. We don't have their creation in Genesis because they're all from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't care what flavor they are. Black, yellow, brown, red. They're all from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You won't find a creation in Genesis. The Edomite Jew is especially evil because he's been able to purloin an identity that doesn't belong to him and use that identity in order to operate the world's oldest crime ring and hide behind it very effectively. Because they have so many times intermarried with our race and for that reason are so easily able to infiltrate us and and convince us, as Paul says, that even Satan appears as an angel of light. Every time you see a Jew on TV, you think of what Paul said that Satan can appear as an angel of light. Every time you see a Jewish actor, a Jewish actress, a Jewish politician, that is how Satan appears as an angel of light. Not some, not, not some demon with horns and, and, and a tail and, and a trident that, that can change his appearance into a beautiful man. No, that's not how it's done. That, that's the Catholic version of Satan. That's not the version of Satan that exists in reality or in Scripture. All of the Satans in Scripture walked around and looked just like men. The devil roams about seeking whom he may devour. Think about that line every time you see a Jew with a briefcase. I've digressed enough. John 16.11 is cross-referenced to Acts 26.18. Let me read John 16.11 again. It's very much like John 12.31. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And Acts 26.18. To open their eyes 
Paul's reason for the spread of the gospel. His reason for his very mission. Delivering thee from the people and from the nations under whom now I send thee, is what Christ told Paul. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Remember the children of Israel had been following after Canaanite paganism for practically 1,500 years by this time, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness for their sins and the inheritance among them which is sanctified by the faith that is in me, meaning Christ. Paul was to turn the children of Israel from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Was there a devil with a pitchfork standing over the children of Israel in Europe and, and, and prodding them into disobedience? No. There were children of Israel who for 1,500 years had followed the ways of the Canaanites. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul tells us that the world's false religions Their origin was in the fallen angels. In that original rebellion against God. Which is what happened when Satan fell from heaven like lightning. John 16.11 is also cross-referenced to Luke 10.18, where Christ says that he saw Satan fall from heaven, heaven like lightning. The same Edomite Jew and all of his kindred are the proponents of all the world's false religions today. And you know, there's another reason why the Edomite Jew is at the head of the list when we look at the nature of the enemies of God. When, when we look at the, um, the substance of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's because from the time that Isaac was placed on the altar by Abraham, from that time, all world history would revolve around the two nations that sprung from the loins of Isaac. Those two nations being the children of Israel and the Edomites, the children of Esau. They became the focus of world history from that very time. Of course, there was a much wider group of people who, compo who comprised of Satan. There was a much wider group of people who were 
adversarial to God, that adversarial tendency which they had had a genetic origin. They were bastards. They were mixed. But from that point on, Esau, having his fate being to intermarry into that group, Esau became synonymous with Satan. History would revolve around the struggle between Jacob and Esau. On the other side of the coin, there was a much wider group of people who were children of God, the entire Adamic race. But God chose Jacob to carry on the history and the purpose of that race and to inherit the earth and the promises given to Abraham. So we have a struggle between Jacob and Esau, which has been going on now for 3,800 years. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is much greater than only the children of Esau. And the tree of life is much broader and has many more branches on it than only the children of Israel. John 16.11 is also cross-referenced to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Clifton doesn't list it here, but I will go see what it says. Not all cross-references are pertinent, but this one says, Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Yeah, you know, the Apostle John, in the fourth chapter of his first epistle, he tells his audience, ostensibly children of Israel, that they are born from God. Adam is the son of God, Luke 3.38. Christ tells us that unless a man is born from above, John chapter 3, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. And in 1 John chapter 4, the apostle basically, in his epistle, splits the world again into two groups of people. He tells us that there are people born from God, and there are people born from the world. The only way that the world could create people is that people in the world violated the laws of God. Bastards are born of the world. And a close reading of 1 John chapter 4 leads me to believe that I can safely ascertain that there are only two groups of people in the world people born of God 
and people born of the world, meaning that God did not create them. If you go out and violate the law of God and have a bastard child, how could you blame God to your violation of his law? You can't. Your child is not born of God. It's a violation of his law. Your child is born of the world. Paul here in Ephesians 2.2, is making an appeal to people that he knows are amongst the dispersions of Israel. And he's telling them, in times past, they walked according to the world. The Apostle John tells us that the whole world, the society, lies under the power of the of the wicked one. The children of the devil, if you will, the children of the fallen angels, that race of people forever opposed to God. They are the rulers of this world. They are today. They were then. There was a thousand-year period where they did not rule over the Adamic part of the world. That's when Satan was locked in the pit in Revelation chapter 20, ever since the French Revolution and the emancipation of the Jews, Satan's been out of the pit. And once again, the children of Israel are walking according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air. I won't. I'll refrain from pontificating on what I believe is a prophecy where Paul mentions the statement, the prince of the power of the air. Turn on your television and see why. That spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, well, it's always worked in the children of disobedience. The gospel was expected in the first century to be the dividing line between the wheat and the tares. The gospel was to separate the good fruit and the bad. That's what Paul expected. Moving on in Clifton's list of, of, of cross-references, And some of these are necessarily going to be repetitious because they are cross-references. We have Revelation 12, 8, and 9. We discussed them at length last week. I can quote them here again. I'll just have to go find them. I'll read from verse 7. 
And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. There's a lot that we learned from this passage. First, it's ostensible that this war in heaven had to happen before the creation of Adam. It had to happen before the creation of Adam because that old serpent is the dragon. That old serpent is Satan. That old serpent is the devil. All of these things are equated here by John or actually by Jesus Christ in the Revelation. He equates them again, in part, in Luke chapter 10. And he equates them in other places, in part. But here the full equation is made. That old serpent is that serpent in Genesis. It can't be referring to any other serpent. So we see that these angels fell before Adam was placed in the garden. And when Adam was placed in the garden, we have the tree of life, Yahshua Christ being the tree of life, ostensibly the Adamic race is the tree of life. I am the vine and you are the branches. And we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which has to be this race of fallen angels which go out and mix their seed with every kind, which also caused the fall of the Adamic race, which all must have been planned by God in advance because all evil things work out to his advantage and work into his plan and design for his children for the ages. We also see that this devil, this Satan, that this great dragon, this old serpent, is the same as that entity which deceives the whole world. The descendants of these beings, the Canaanites, in the form of Canaanites and Edomites, Well, they were deceiving the whole world at the time of Christ. They were deceiving the whole world with their false religions, their Baal worship, their their Moloch, their, their other false gods. Long before the time of Christ, they seduced the children of Israel into idolatry time and again until Yahweh put the children of Israel off from his presence. That's the story of the Old of the Old Testament. John is talking about, well, well, Christ in Revelation 12 is talking about something even greater. These same people have deceived the whole world now as prophesied in Revelation chapter 20 ever since they came out of the pit with the emancipation of the Jews 
in the 19th century. From that time, they've once again deceived the whole world. They've deceived it with humanism. They've deceived it with atheism. They've deceived it with Marxism. They've deceived it with ism after ism after ism. They've deceived it with the idea that they themselves, the children of the eternal enemies of God, they've deceived the world through their claim that they themselves are the children of God. Anybody with eyes wide open today should be able to read Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, and think Jew. They were the deceivers of the whole world when the world was very small, back in the Garden of Eden. When I, when I think of world, I think about it the way I translate the word cosmos in the Christianity New Testament. I think about it as the Adamic society. They deceived it then. They've deceived it ever since, and they're deceiving it now. The proof of two seed line is in the pudding. just as these same people have that same satanic nature from generation to generation. It never changes from generation to generation. They're opposed to God and man from generation to generation. They've been deceivers of the whole world from generation to generation. It never changes. No matter what you want to call it, it's always going to add up to two seed line, whether you like the term or not. There are two groups of people. There are two genetic pools in the world. What we could call it two gene poolism. There's us and there's them. There's white Adamic people born from above, the children of Israel. And there's everybody else. Two gene pools, and only one of them's ever had chlorine. That's sort of a joke. Revelation 12, 8, and 9 are cross-referenced to Luke 10, 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I give to you power over serpents and scorpions. You know, Christ isn't just making up things to say because those things sound cool. Christ wasn't some Jew stand-up comic 
he wasn't flippantly changing from topic to topic. He wasn't scatterbrained. The fall of Satan from heaven, the serpents and scorpions that he mentions immediately thereafter, they're connected. We have serpents and scorpions because this race of angels long before the Adamic race was created, had revolted from God. They are the serpents and scorpions. They're descendants of the serpents and scorpions. They were wandering around Palestine at the time of Christ. They were actually running things in Palestine at the time of Christ. They weren't called serpents and scorpions. They weren't called fallen angels. They weren't called Kenites and Rephane. They were called Edomites and Judeans. They were called Canaanites and Judeans. Some of them were called Greeks. Revelation 12, 8, and 9 is cross-referenced to John twelve thirty one, the prince of this world. It's also cross-referenced to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and 4, the serpent that seduced Eve. To Revelation chapter 20, verse 2 and verse 3, talking about Satan and his angels being bound in the pit. And the Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, I wouldn't make that cross-reference, but I will say this. While Satan himself didn't crawl out of the pit until the emancipation of the Jew in the 1800s, Satan certainly was making war against the remnant of the woman who had fled into the wilderness. Satan was wroth with the woman and making war against her. For all that time, he was in the pit in the fulfillment of a different prophecy. Part of that is found in Revelation 12.9. Revelation chapter 9 is talking about Islam. Of course, I, I would have to give an awful lot of background in order to establish that. That background is found in Christreich. That background is found in the commentary on the revelation of Yahshua Christ found in podcast and in print freely on Christagenia.org. All of the text is there freely. You don't have to buy the book. Revelation chapter 9 is talking about both the Arab conquests of, of a good portion of, of the white Adamic world 
and the Turkic conquests of a good portion of the white Adamic world. That is established fully in Christ Reich. It can also be established that the same Edomite Jew was indeed behind the creation of Islam, behind the Islamic invasions of Europe, and behind the Turkic invasions of Europe. The same race of vipers. The dragon. Wrath and making war against the remnant of Israel. I'm still not through quite all of Clifton's cross-references, but most of these would simply be repeats. Let me say that Matthew 13.38 is cross-referenced to Genesis 3.15. John 8.44, Acts 13.10, and 1 John 3.8. Genesis 3.15. The serpent seduces Eve. Eve and Adam respond by having shame over their nakedness and covering their loins. Yahweh responds by telling the serpent, and I will put enmity perpetual hatred between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now let me say this. Many people in two-seed line Christian identity oversimplify this passage. And they want to limit it They want to limit this enmity to the descendants of Cain and the descendants of Seth. And while the seed of the woman, of course, can only be represented by the descendants of Seth, by the Adamic race, Adam himself was also the seed of the woman because he was flesh of her flesh and bone of her bone. She was produced from his body. The seed of the serpent can include the descendants of Cain, but it can also include that entire tree of the knowledge of good and evil which already existed in the Garden of Eden. They were all the serpent's seed, even if they didn't descend directly from the serpent, is your brother not your seed? Is your uncle and your cousin, are they not your seed? They certainly are your seed. So the seed of the serpent has to include the entire tree, all of the serpent's kindred, so to speak, the entire tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
And on that note, even though I'm nowhere near done with Clifton's cross-references, I believe I've presented enough of Clifton's cross-references to make my point and to demonstrate Clifton's purpose. I would advise anybody, um, I think that this paper is probably a good witnessing tool for the uninitiated. And I would advise people to spend the $20 and get yourselves one of these um, King James Version Zondervan or Thomas Nelson Classic Reference Bibles. And a copy of Clifton's paper, available freely at emmaheiser.christagenia.org. It's entitled The King James Version Bible. With a good center reference, teaches and proves to seed line. And using the King James Version Bible alone that would be a good witnessing tool to the uninitiated. A good witnessing tool in many, even without really knowing the, the history of the Jews, a good witnessing tool in order to teach and properly relate the nature of the Jews and possibly wake up and, and open the eyes of some of our brethren with basic recognizable tools that, that, that they can't dispute, oh, you need your own translation or, or oh, you need um, some special history book. Oh, no, it's all right here in, in, in the King James Version center reference if you have this classical center reference. And with that, I think I've exposited a few things that um, traditional two-seed-line Christian identity adherents um, aren't accustomed to hearing. I hope later on this year to do a series on two-seed-line, replacing the series that I did with Eli James. I hope to make it more informative and broader in scope than the series which I did with Eli James, but without all the stupid Judeo crap that he loves to bring in and, and the cackling and stuff like that. It, it, it'll be, um, it, 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 it will, Yahweh willing, it be a better series than that one. That one wasn't really ever very popular. It was 35 segments. Very few of them have more than a couple of hundred downloads. A couple of hundred downloads on Christagenia isn't very many. Um, that leads me to another topic. Most of my old, most of them, not all of them, but most of my podcasts with Eli James are no longer available at my main website, Christagenia.org. They will remain available at a new website I've created, which is http colon slash slash archive 
archive.christagenia.org. Archive.christagenia.org is a website I created last week um, and so that I could move a lot of the older and obsolete material off of my main website and, and therefore perhaps certain other things will be easier to find and hopefully there'll be less clutter because, well, well it's just a pretty big website in, in a pretty short time. <laughs> so so I, I want to try to streamline things and, and make certain things easier to find. So I split up my um, my menus with, with my my podcasts and my commentaries on the right-hand side. Uh, I split them into two categories, one for biblical topics and one for historical topics, and, and hopefully that'll make things easier for, for people to find. That, that's all. So the, the, the old Eli James programs are now found at archive.christagenia.org. I will also be moving some other things to that site at, as time progresses, um, some older articles, so, some of my um, some of my commentary, and, and things that really aren't um, connected to my core message. So that that site will probably grow in time. Also, thank you for listening. I will be here tomorrow night with. Sword Brethren, I believe we we will be presenting Against the Paul Bashers, Part 21. I will be here next week with my commentary on Acts Chapter 4. Praise Yahweh, and good night.